0: I am Pastor Heidi, if I haven't met you before, my husband and I uh, lead here together. So today you get me. I'm feeling, thanks, I'm feeling brave today and I'll let you know why. So we are doing a sermon series right now off of a, loosely off of a book, How Not to Read the Bible. So the book Take, took us, we went through it as a staff, and it went through like, what does the Bible actually say about, say about slavery? Because it's confusing. It sounds as though God's okay with slavery. What's up with that? So it kind of goes through and answers those questions. Um, it's going to go through, but I'm not gonna t- I can't touch on all of it, but like, um, is God really okay with polygamy? Because it looks like it. Is God okay with violence? Because it kind of looks like he might, because there's an awful lot of it in the Bible. And it it answers those questions as best you can in a chapter or two or three. And so we decided we wanted to um, come here and talk about him as best as we can. And I would say, like, this is Jamie's jam. Like, I would say this is how he preaches, in my opinion. I'm his wife, and I've been listening to him. I think he does this really well. I don't feel as comfortable preaching this style of sermon. I kind of think that God has gifted me in spiritual formation. Like, I just get really excited about it. I read those books for fun. Um, That's what really gets me going. However, I was like, I I want this one. And then I was like, why? Why did I want, why did I choose this one? Because this one's my story. This one's my story, and this one could ruffle you today. This one could, you could hear things you've never heard in church before if you grew up anyway like I did. And this one is kind of my personal story. So we're going to name this sermon. And that's also something I'm not good at. Did you know if you have a good name for your sermon, more people actually listen to them on the podcasts? I was checking it out when Jamie and I have a good title. There's way more sermons and I'm not very good at it. So you guys can help me today. Here's your choice. All right, help me. And you might be like, Heidi, neither one of those are good. You're still just not good at it. All right, A, does the Bible promote misogyny? That's A. I got you, right? B, women must remain silent in church. A or B? B, okay. So number three sermon today, the title is Women Must Remain Silent in Church. That's in the Bible. We're going to read it. Here we go. I was like, Jamie starts with awkward. He does awkward really well, right? So I thought, this is going to take it up a notch. (laughs) This is going to be awkward like I've never done. 1 Corinthians 14, 34 through 35. Women should be silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be subordinate, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to know, let them ask their husbands at home for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Whoa. Awkward. I know, you can be like, oh, where is she going to go with this? All right, there's more. 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12. Here we go. Why am I doing this? Let a woman learn in silence with full submission. I permit no woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She's to keep silent. That's the way I was raised. To take those very literally and at face value, and it's really hard when you're a little girl and you grow up in church and you're like maybe ten, and you think, I think I'm supposed to like maybe be a pastor or a missionary or something when I grow up. Like I think I'm supposed to like do that. You know vocational thing and so they ask you and you go to a really conservative christian school and they ask you what are you going to be when you grow up i think i might be a pastor whoa well see you you can't be a pastor because you're a woman and god's not okay with it i think it's one thing to say to somebody um, and I think it's terrible and horrible. Like you can't be an engineer because you're a woman, or you, but then to add on the point, because God's not okay with it. Like that's really, really hard. So I grew up thinking I don't understand. I don't understand these passages. They don't make sense to me. Why would I think? Why would I think as a young girl that God called me, and then the adult males in my life and women are telling me, you can't do that. And I didn't I didn't have answers. And I kept looking and looking and looking and trusting. I read a lot of books and I'd read books like this woman would, this woman who, Tara Beth Leach, she's like, I read this book and it made so much sense. And I'd read it and I'm like, it doesn't still make sense to me. Like It still doesn't answer my questions. And I kept reading and looking and trusting that if God gave me these gifts, he was going to show me in a way that could make sense for me. And so I'm going to walk you through my process that I went through and my learnings and how I've come to be okay with and and encourage and support um, anybody, man or woman, who, um, who feels called to lead by God. Interesting in Nigeria, this isn't really even a topic, is it? Like, Stephen, Stephen's like, so Stephen was a part of this church for quite some time, and he was a pastor in Nigeria, and he's like, it's actually kind of like an American thing. Like, not everywhere thinks this. He goes, I don't, I don't even get it. Like, my pastor at home is black, and he goes, you Americans are weird. You don't do Bible study with men and women. You're all weird, and like, men aren't supposed to pray for women, and women aren't supposed to, he's like, you, it's, we're a very sexualized culture. Do you know that we're very sexualized? And we make it a really big deal. And we almost set ourselves up to fail by doing so, by saying things like, I can never ride alone in a car with another, another married man. I'm going to try and keep this PG. Because what? We're going to like hop in bed the next day? I mean, yes, use wisdom. But it's, we've over-sexualized one another. We can be friends. It's OK. For men and women to be friends, to be careful, to be wise, to be friends. So, when I don't know where to begin, and I have lots of questions in the Bible, I um, begin with Jesus. Oh, first of all, we, okay, I think this is important to say. So, the Bible was written in a different time, it's not written in this time. The Bible was written in a male-dominated culture and time. It's very evident upon reading. David Scholar, he's a Bible scholar on women in the ancient world. This is what he says. In general terms, Jesus lives in a social culture context in which men's view of women was usually negative. And the place of women was understood to be limited to the domestic roles of wife and mother. So that's... That's the soup they swim in. Josephus, he was a historian. At the same time, he lived at the same time as Jesus, a contemporary, he call it, to Jesus and Paul. The woman says the law, this is him, the woman says the law is in all things inferior to the man. This was a commonly held view by people at the time. Augustine. Augustine is still considered to be the most influential teacher in all of church history. Like, over all time, he has some wonderful golden nuggets. And he says, though he believed women were human, he did not believe women are God's, God's image. Gets better. By marriage, Augustine taught, a woman can become the image of God. Like, what are single women supposed to do? So, have you heard of the phrase? Um, I think it's actually really important right now. Chew on the, like, chew on the chicken and spit up the bones. Chew on the, have you heard that before? Like, did I butcher it? I butcher sometimes quotes. It means, because at first when I was like, Augustine, I'm so annoyed with you. How could you? But I'm like, he has offered the church. So you, when you listen to people, we can learn from everybody. You do not have to agree with everybody on everything to learn from them. So you, you listen, and you process, and you use your mind. And you, today, you might not agree with me. Use your own mind and what you know about the Bible. Take the chicken, and you're like, I so disagree with Heidi on that. Spit it out. We're going to have to learn how to disagree. I don't agree with my husband on lots of things. We don't agree. And it seems like, I just think right now, we have to learn to hold space to disagree with one another and to be Christians and to be all right with that. I think it's really important. So I was having that personal moment when I read him. I was like, oh, Augustine, man. But, so, that's, so this was the ideas. This is what the, written, the Bible was written in. However, you will notice God does not promote these ideas. He actually speaks differently into the culture. So, back to what I said. When I'm super confused about the Bible, when I'm like, oh, or anything, and I don't know where to begin, I look at Jesus. I just start there. So we're going to start at Jesus. So the last Several years, many years, I have been reading, particularly the Gospels, because those are the life of Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I've been reading them, and I mark when I see Jesus interacting with women. I just pause, and I mark it, and I get curious. How is he responding to them? What is he doing? Who is this woman? And I've been amazed how many women are in the Gospels. It's mind-blowing. And in a time when Jesus was a male, he should not have been interacting with women. And he is healing women. He is talking with women. So this is this is what I notice about Jesus is that he's super comfortable. I just started to notice how comfortable that Jesus is with women. He's a single man man and he's very, very comfortable. Women traveled with Jesus and his disciples. Did you know that? Like, as they went around, they traveled with him. That wouldn't have been okay in that culture. And they were called disciples. The women traveled with them, and they were called. He had to have been safe. Or they would have been like, no, thank you. There are women. Uh, so there's women disciples. Oh, also, the picture of Mary and Martha. We talk about the story a lot in the church. So Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. That means, in that culture, she was his disciple. She was saying, in a time when women were not allowed to be disciples, Jesus, I choose to sit at your feet. I choose to learn of you, and I'm going to be your disciple. Another one is, oh, he calls Mary and Martha, and Lazarus, he calls Mary and Martha his friends. He was friends with women. He spoke, this is also a very familiar story, with the Samaritan woman at the well. So if you're not familiar with this story, I love it. I love this story. It sets it up where this, there's this woman who Jesus should not be talking to in this culture. There is no reason why he should be talking to her. She's not safe, right? She's kind of like a prostitute. She's had lots of husbands, the person she's living with. She's a Samaritan. She's the wrong color. There's no reason why Jesus should be talking with her. And he goes and he sits by the well and he talks with her. This is the disciples. His disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. They were surprised. So the culture around him would say, "What, what are you? That's not OK. You, you shouldn't be hanging out with her." Recently, I read the story of the woman who bled for 12 years. So there was a woman who bled for 12 years. In that culture, it's just different than ours, that means she's unclean. Do you know that means she couldn't be around men the entire time for 12 years? And so she's unclean, which is a big deal. It's, it's not a big deal here, but it was there. So she couldn't come out, and she came, and she touched Jesus. So she came out where she wasn't supposed to be, and she took a risk. And I was like, how did he respond? How did he, re- he, he was kind to her. He, he didn't even seem bothered that she touched him. Like, it's quite an inconvenience for him because he's going to have to go get cleaned up. He, um, she was scared. It says in the text that she was scared. There's fear and trembling. And he says to her, go in peace. He saw her and be healed. Jesus is not worried about being touched by people, men or women. And then we see women were the first to see Jesus after he was resurrected. And as I look... I just hadn't noticed the women before because I wasn't taught to see them or I was taught to see them differently. Acts 2 is a quote from the prophet Joel. So we'll move on a little bit. And it says, In the last days, that's now, I will pour out my spirit on your sons and daughters. So if... The women in this room have the spirit of God, and the men in this room have the spirit of God. Why are the women just supposed to be quiet? Like A year or two ago on like Facebook, there was a list by a really conservative pastor who's really well-known, and he made this list of things that women could do according to the Bible. It was like, you can't work outside the home. You can do dishes. You can knit. I mean, it was ridiculous. And these churches are huge. I'm so confused. I'm like, what? What? Why why would you? What? What about the women? What about the other half? When we look at the New Testament, there are lists, if you're familiar with it, of gifts. God gives gifts. Lots of gifts he gives. Gifts, um, the gifts. There's different sets: um, peace, joy, patience, kindness, self-control. There's a list. He also gives gifts of. Um, we don't use the words now, so they're kind of confusing. Apostles and prophets, teachers, obvious, deacon. So there's also these lists. There's there's never a place that says these ones are for the women and these ones are for the men. They're just gifts. They're for all of us. So some of you will be apostles. Some of you will be deacons. It's not by your gender. It's just by whatever God decides to give you. It's up to him. It's not up to us. And here's one of my very favorites. It's, Jamie shared it last week. It's Galatians 3.28. There is now no longer, this is Paul, the same person I'm just going to remind you the same person that I read at the beginning. So you're going to be like, wait a minute. He is clearly contradicting himself here. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. You guys know Junia? So there it says, greet Andronicius. I can't, Can't say it. And Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. This is Paul writing again. They are outstanding among the apostles. So that means Junia is a female apostle. She's a woman and she's a prominent apostle. So it's confusing because Paul is right here calling her an apostle and he's not saying you need to stop, you need to be quiet, you shouldn't be speaking. And then we have Phoebe. So Phoebe is in the New Testament, also written about by Paul. She was a deacon and a benefactor. And what's kind of interesting to note at this time is she didn't have a husband. So most of the people in, in the New Testament, they're listed like with their spouse. So like Priscilla and Aquila, Junia and however you say her husband's name. So Phoebe there's there's no man. It could mean that it could mean that he's just not a believer. Like, you know what I mean? It doesn't mean she's single, but he's not listed. So there's no husband mission. So it tells us, like, you don't even, because sometimes the church is like, well, you have to be married to have a voice. And scripture doesn't teach that either. You don't have to be married. So and deacons, are like, well, what's a deacon? We don't use that word. So what's thought, this is what's thought to have been a deacon, is someone who visits and cares for people and loves on people and financial. Like, they took care of the finances of the church and maybe teaching, but we don't know for sure. So we can't land on that one. So there's the New Testament. A lot of women, right? A lot of things to say, Paul, why did you say that? That seems kind of confusing. We'll get there. Now we're going to go to the Old Testament. Ready? (laughs) All right. So as Jamie says, let's start at the beginning. Genesis 1, 27. You're like, at the very beginning, Heidi. Don't worry. It's just a brush stroke, I promise. So God created humankind in his image in the image of God, he created the male and female, he created them. I see that we're equal here. I see that we are, there's no domination. And I see that there's no gender superiority here. I see equality. Part of what I love about the story of creation and men and women is it's rib. We're made from the man's rib. And that's a picture of being side by side. We're side by side. That's how we go. Men and women, we go side by side. So then what happens with the word helper? Like a lot of people, the word for woman is helper. God made man a helper in Genesis 1. So interestingly, this word is used 20 more times in the Old Testament, and it's used for the name of God as our helper. So it's not like inferior. Does that make sense? It's the same word used for God. So a lot of times in the Christian church, they're like, well, a woman is supposed to be his helper. And in our culture, if I hire you to be my helper, you're you're under me, right? You work for me. People have helpers. But in this context, at that time, it's more nuanced than that. And it means we help, like helper, equality helper. So God gave the man a partner, equal but different, side by side, I like the picture of the rib and um, no subordination. So what about Genesis three? What about Genesis three? So sin enters the world not too long after Genesis one and equality is broken. That's part, there's a lot of brokenness. to talk about like this is broken. It's broken. So there's two, I know of two different ways. There's probably more. I know of two different ways that people interpret that, that Genesis three passage. So what it says is, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over and control you. And people say, see? Right there. He is supposed to control you. That's the broken system. We're not called to stay there. That's broken. God, Jesus makes all things new. We're not supposed to stay there. We're, and it's not just, let's, Alright, got me, Noah? Thank you, you're awesome. Okay, so where was I? That's hard to do. You do that so well. Give me a moment, I'll find it. So that's the broken system, and, and I was taught that that means that's how it stays. You stay there. However, I believe that God makes all things new, and that is not what we are called to We are not called to dominate. That was where it's broken. So I was remembering as I was preparing this message, the Ephesians passage where it talks about marriage. And I was reminded of this. I was like, oh. So Ephesians 5, it's a passage on marriage, 21 through 24. This is Paul again, hopping back. And it says, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Be subject to one another um, out of reverence for Christ. So the way this has been taught where I grew up is we read this. Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. And the man is the head and women comes under him. Stop. Was anybody else taught that version? (laughs) Period. Done. Okay. Yeah. So that's it. That's where you stop. However, that's not the end of that passage. There's actually more. So the husband in this passage is then supposed to come under the wife and love her and support her and nurture. So when I preached on this passage, like, I can't remember, a year and a half ago, this is what the picture is. It's the man coming under and then the woman coming under and then the man coming under and then the woman coming under. It's me serving Jamie and him serving me. It's me putting him first for a time so he can go get his master's degree and I work my tail off to watch the kids and now... A little bit later, we save up money and we sacrifice so I can go get my spiritual direction that I really, really want to do training that costs thousands of dollars. You sacrifice for one another. That's not the way I was taught. I, taught, I was taught, my mom makes all the sacrifices for my dad over and over and over again. Is that really love? I know my dad loves my mom. I see that whether it's a man or a woman that always puts himself first, the other person doesn't get to fully live to who they are. You will have dreams that will never be fulfilled if only one person is doing the sacrificing. In a truly happy marriage, based on tons of premarital counseling that we've done, because this church used to be full of college students before COVID, egalitarian is the way to go. When we look at the scores of people who are happy in their marriages, they don't use that word. They use, like, um, what's the word? Vitalized. The vitalized marriages are people who have an egalitarian marriage. Jamie and I have done this so many times, and we have only had one vitalized couple that did not work under the egalitarian system. Only one. So... It's confusing. Paul, why did you say that we're both so submit to one another and the gifts are for everybody and you tell women to be quiet? I think I better move along to there. I had more stories, so many more. I wanted to introduce you to Miriam and Deborah and Huldah. Have you guys ever heard of Hulda? I know. Okay, I'll just tell you about Hulda. So one good story from the Old Testament. So Hulda, from 2 Kings 22. I know, I'm like, How many times have I read the Bible? Who in the heck is Holda? So we don't really highlight the women too much when we are teaching and growing up in the church. She was a female priest from the Old Testament. So King Josiah at the time needed someone to teach him the scriptures. The Israelites had walked away from God. This was their theme. This is humans. They'd walked away from God. And King Josiah was like, I don't understand what I'm reading. I need someone to teach me. So, interesting enough, he chose Hulda. And you might be like, well, maybe there was nobody else. There were no male prophets at the time. Actually, there was like a list of five or six contemporary males. And I say that to you because a lot of times what I was taught in the church is that the only reason a woman can do something is because a man's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. Did you ever hear that? Yeah. All right, so I could be a missionary, because the men weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing, so it was okay. Carrie says, well, if you follow that logic, then it's okay for me to be a pastor too because we need more pastors, but that's what I was taught. And then Isaiah, I had forgotten this one as I was saying, Isaiah's wife was a prophet. Deborah was really actually pretty exciting from, she might be my favorite, so we'll just look at her real quick. So she's from Judges, she was a prophet, a judge, and a military leader mind-blowing. So this is the word that's used for how Deborah led. is shapat, and it means she judged. This word means, this is what Deborah did. She was a national leader. She did judicial, she did judicial decision-making, and she was a military savior. Scott McKnight, which is the author of this book, which I love, The Blue Parakeet, says she was to her generation what Moses was to his. We don't really highlight that much, do we? We know about Moses. That's a really good movie that Disney put out. It's really good. But we don't know about Deborah. And that's fair because the Bible does not say much compared to Moses. So that's fair. So at this point, this is, this is what I'm hoping. I hope I have clearly presented how women have exercised leadership in the Old Testament and the New, that women in the Old Testament spoke as prophets for God. So they're speaking on guess half. And that women in the New Testament were gifted to lead by God's spirit for teaching and leading. And that God's design for men and women is equality. It's side by side. To dominate one person is wrong. It's, it's wrong. Just like with slavery, it's wrong. Whether it's me trying to dominate my husband because we got some pretty strong women in this culture, or if it's my husband trying to dominate me, or we might take turns sometimes when we're broken, right? All right, let's enter the minefield. Here we go. So we don't have time. Paul actually has about four or five passages in the New Testament that are similar to this, that you're like, I clearly am gonna have to get some background because when I read this, I don't like Paul. There are women, quite a few women in the church, that don't like Paul, that don't want to read Paul. They're not interested in Paul, and I was one of them for for quite some time. I was like, can I just not like Paul? I tell Jamie, I don't really care for Paul. He's really harsh, and I don't understand. However, as, as time goes on, and I think as I get older and I can understand a little deeper what I read, even in like commentaries, I'm like, okay, Paul, I completely misunderstood you. And why did you have to be so hard to understand? Why couldn't you just spend a little? Because normally he's so direct. So let's read that passage again. We're going to do the 1 Corinthians one together. 1 Corinthians 14. Because I don't think I've ever read this out loud before. I think I've kind of avoided it. 34 through 35. Women should be silent in the churches. For they are not permitted to speak. But should be subordinate. As the law also says, if there is anything that is they desire to know, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful, it's a pretty strong word, uh, for a woman to speak in church. So here's what I think. And if I don't satisfy you, I would love for you to go dig deeper this week. I think after reading, and Scott McKnight's writing, so I've read a lot of books this is the book that makes sense for me. It may or may not for you. Like, I've read a lot trying to make sense of things. He is a New Testament professor. That's his specialty. He also specializes in supporting women. So I really like him. Um, and his writing makes sense to me. So, like, when I read it, I'm like, "Oh, like my brain works like his," and he doesn't just. This whole thing is not just about women. This is also about what does the Bible say about polygamy and slavery and all the the hard questions. So it's you can borrow it. It's from the church library. It's good, isn't it, Kathleen? It's so good. <laughs> so this is what I think. I think that he was writing for a temporary silencing. Because it doesn't match. If he's saying it's okay for women to be apostles, actually just three chapters before this, in chapter 11, he says, when women prophesy, which in that count, pray, when they prophesy in church, they need to have their heads covered. I'm like, well, how can you say when they prophesy in church three chapters before this, and then three chapters later, you have to be completely silent? That doesn't make sense. So I think he's saying that women, there's got to be a temporary silence. There's got to be something going on here that we don't know about. So, and frankly, we are, most people are surprised that Paul would say this. We're surprised because it does not match the rest of what he teaches and says. So 1 Corinthians 11, 5, every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered. So clearly he's saying again, women prophesy, women teach, Phoebe taught, this appears that Paul has contradicted himself. So here are common here are common views by commentators. One, some think that Paul meant this prohibits women from evaluating prophecies. Doesn't work for me, but that's one commonly held. So for prophecies, because so many women are prophets in the Bible. So I'm like, ah. I don't know. Number two, this is commonly held. Women, um, others, women from speaking or interpreting tongues. That's a whole other topic. Because of the broader text of the, ta- of the text. So women cannot interpret tongues. And if you're like, I don't know what that is, that is completely for another day. So that's another one. Also don't see that. Because in the, he gives that as one of the gifts. And he doesn't say this one's for men and this one's for men or women. So I don't, I don't hold it out. And then this is the third one this is the one that I think makes sense, is Paul is silencing women in regard to asking questions in the middle of church. And also, the women were on this side, because this is cultural, right? And the men were on this side. So can you imagine it? And they are new to church. They don't know the questions. And women over here are asking their husband, Masara over here questions in the middle of the church. And so they're saying, please be quiet, Please stop asking these questions in the middle of church. Be silent. Stop. Go home and ask. And he's also, Paul makes it very clear that you are not allowed to speak in church until you're trained. Like until you have some basic, well, more than basic, actually, until you're theologically and biblically trained, you're you're to be silent in the church. So it appears that it's a temporary silencing. It can't be all the time with all the other passages. It cannot be. So that's mine. Um, Also interesting, so what about the head coverings? Right? So tons of churches all across the U.S. say your woman can't speak, but they don't say, but don't come in without your head covering. Do you see how we pick and choose? Do you see how we do that? So why would you even tell people to wear head coverings? Because it was culturally appropriate for women to wear head coverings. If a woman didn't wear a head covering during that time, it would have been distracting. It would have taken them away from what was supposed to be going on. So just cover your head and come to church. Same reason why I'm not going to wear a head covering. If I wore a head covering and I got up here to, to preach, you'd be like, I wonder why she's doing that. I wonder if she's taking that passage literally. I wonder like, I wonder if she's maybe, like, maybe a little bit Mennonite. I mean, it'd be so distracting, right? You'd be sitting there the whole time thinking, why is her head covered? Why is she doing that? So for the same reason they wore head coverings, we don't. And do you see how people pick and choose? We do. We pick and choose. We have to. You, you can't just read everything literally. Do you know how many times we get, we get like, it's not super, but it's it's kind of common. People will come and be like, so does your church read the Bible literally? And I was like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. No. No, we do not read the Bible. And neither do you, nobody does. And then like them, we're not for you. This isn't for me. I was like. Really? Because you're going to cover your head and you're not going to ever get a tattoo and you're never going to cut your hair and you're never. And people still say that. Does your church read the Bible literally? And I'm like, we're not a good fit for you because no way we don't. I mean, come on. No, I neither do you. So <laughs> I hope you found this mildly interesting because this has been a long journey for me. And this is a lot of my years of thinking and processing all today. <laughs> So, thank you for listening. Thank you for letting me process. And I found something I want to close with that I think is powerful and is a good conclusion to all of this. And I want you to know, actually, it's still hard for me to get up on a stage because I was told so much as a little girl that it wasn't okay. This is actually really hard for me. It's not easy. And I, I... it's not easy. I wish it was. I wish maybe I was braver. I wish I was maybe like, just so like, um, oh, I'm over that. Like I told Julie, I'm like, I talked to her in the week. I'm like, this was a hard week for me. This was just preparing this and processing and looking and and cutting out so much stuff, so much stuff that I think and I feel is important. And um, I'm just not as brave as I wish I was. I wish, I'm just not. So... But I'm doing it anyways, today. (laughs) So thank you for listening. And this is something, um, so this is by F.F. Bruce. He is perhaps the most widely known evangelical scholar of the previous generation. So he's passed. He's pretty well known. We have quite a few of his commentaries at our house. When we were going through our Bible training, we we used his book. So this is, he's pretty well known in the church circle. So F.F. Bruce and Scott McKnight. Got to sit down with him and ask him some questions. And these are his answers. Professor Bruce, what do you think of women's ordination? FF Bruce says, I don't think the New Testament talks about ordination. That's it. Next question. Well, what about the silencing passages of Paul on women, I asked. I think Paul would roll over in his grave if he knew we were turning his letters into Torah. Whoa, interesting thought, huh? That wasn't, it's like, wow. So we're taking it like it's the ultimate law and it was a letter to a specific church at a specific time. What do you think then, here's his next question, what do you think then about women in church ministries, Professor Bruce's answer was, as Pauline as Paul was. So Paul's known for being pretty direct. I'm for whatever God's spirit grants women gifts to do. I am for whatever God's spirit grants women gifts to do. Me too and men, both. As we close today, uh, we like to close with a moment of quiet. And a really good speaker is supposed to be practical and give you something practical to think about. And I was like, "I I I don't know. So maybe ask yourself what do I think about this message? What bothered you? What surprised you? What made you think, I've never heard that before? What irked you? Like, she bothered me when she said it that way. And what do you think the Holy Spirit was saying to you? God's Spirit still speaks. So one moment... What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? And all my other questions. Father, I thank you that you created us as rib-to-rib, as partners. Help us to be brave men and women to use our gifts that you have given generously. Give us eyes to see things we haven't seen before. Thank you that we're all growing, including myself. Thank you that we can make space to hold different opinions here. Be with us as we go this week. May we experience your presence. May we see your kindness around us and your gifts. Thank you for them. We look forward to coming together next week as a community to worship you together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.